Welcome to E-Commerce with Coffee, a podcast powered by Amber Engine, where we share e-com secrets for brands over your favorite brew. We start with the caffeine and then leap enthusiastically into behind-the-scenes e-com insights that led to the success of our guests. I'm Nate Svoboda, and I'm about to serve you up the best. Let's get started. Good morning and welcome to this episode of e-commerce with coffee. Today we're speaking to Liren Hirschkorn. He's the CEO of Incrementum Digital, which is an agency that helps businesses develop stronger Amazon advertising and marketing strategies in order for them to sell more profitably on that platform. So Liren, pleasure speaking with you this morning. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, be here and, uh, and talk. Yeah, I'm excited. I, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what's been changing on Amazon between obviously when you started as a seller and then now with this pandemic that we've all just experienced. And then just some of the common mistakes that you see you know, in the Amazon ad strategies that businesses have when they come to begin working with you. Um, but before we dive into it, um, it's pretty early on my end. So I, I imagine that you've probably got a coffee there with you. What are you drinking today? Uh, actually, I just finished a 32 ounce smoothie. Um, so I'm pretty energized, but I will probably have a coffee right after well no that's fair i mean i uh sometimes i feel like the smoothie almost gives me a little bit more of that pickup initially right plus then you're not hungry until lunch so it works yeah exactly that's actually one of the things i try to do is um fruit slash liquids till noon so separate podcast episode though (laughs) (laughs) e-commerce with e-commerce with fruit smoothies yeah exactly Absolutely. Well, hey, um, you know, Lirian, you started as an Amazon seller in 2014, right? Um, would really love if you could tell us how you got started and then the path that you came down to, to start Incrementum Digital. Sure. Um, so actually, yeah, before getting into e-commerce, I had an online insurance agency and uh, had learned like internet marketing and, and SEO and was really interested in, you know, uh, finding ways to uh, make money, you know, online digitally. Um, and, um, in 2014, I saw a course for a Shopify, like dropship, dropshipping, uh, business. I took it, I started a Shopify site after a few months, I learned about Amazon FBA and kind of moved over there. And, uh, really the first thing I learned was arbitrage as a model, which basically means, um, kind of like buying low selling high, like you would do with stocks, uh, except you do it with physical products. Uh, so, uh, would go out to Nike outlet stores and TJ Maxx and, and Marshalls and buy, uh, name brand products, shoes, Under Armour, Nike, you know, fitness products, send them into Amazon, uh, you know, buy a pair of shoes for, you know, 60, $70 and, uh, sell it for, you know, $120. Um, and obviously there's Amazon fees, et cetera. Right. So it's not, it's not all, all, all profit, but, um, it really, um, showed me the opportunity uh, that there was in, in e-commerce and, uh, in that model, um, I never, you know, knew anything about, uh, you know, private label, um, at that point. And so, um, I learned next about the wholesale model, which was, okay, I'm buying these products at retail, but now I can actually go out to companies buying bulk. I know how to sell on Amazon and I can sell their products on Amazon. And that's kind of what I did next, which then led me to learn, uh, then led me to, to learn about the, uh, Amazon private label opportunity, which is okay. Uh, I can cut out the wholesaler. I can go make products directly in China, put my own logo brand name on it and sell them directly on Amazon without sort of competing for what's called the buy box, which is, you know, if multiple people are selling the same branded products, you're all kind of competing on the listing for, for price. Um, and, um, starting in 2015, that's kind of what, you know, what I started doing was creating my own 
uh, brands actually developed uh, a few design patents on a product to differentiate um, and started to really um, learn about how to how to create a, a business. And the, the opportunity was exciting with private label as well, because uh, sellers would, you know, build up a, a business over two, three years and then be able to sell it. And that was one of the opportunities, you know, to, to build an asset. That was one of the opportunities sort of like not available to you if you're just like reselling somebody else's products. You don't really have you know, a business that you can really sell um, because the, you know, the brand is not yours. And so the opportunity is tremendous. And over the last several years, you've, you know, seen so many sellers, um, you know, building up businesses and selling them. Um, uh, in 2016 or so, I started helping another seller who had a course, basically, um, you know, uh, helping sort of newer sellers coming on. Uh, which led me to, you know, start getting on podcasts like this, et cetera, speaking, helping sellers, and eventually led uh, to creating a, an agency, uh, basically to help sellers really, really starting out with Amazon advertising management, uh, as it got more and more complex um, over the last several years. Um, and now today, kind of with a full suite of, you know, marketing solutions for, for brands and for sellers on the platform. Wow. Well, I mean, and then obviously you've got, you, you alluded to this a little bit, you guys got the podcast, the, uh, the e-commerce mindset that you guys do. Um, and that's kind of like the content engine for Incrementum Digital, right? So you have, yep. I've heard a lot of the conversations you've had um, covering everything from like, you know, accounts that are getting suspended on Amazon to, you know, obviously some of the legal things that you have to consider even above and beyond just the marketing and the advertising. Well, yeah. so given that you, you started back in 2014, right? I'm sure you've seen a tremendous amount of change in the past. So what would that be about seven years what are some of the biggest changes that you've seen in the ways that, you know, brands or sellers, if there's any difference, have to yep. engage with Amazon? Yeah, um, I would say there's been a lot of changes and um, both from who the sellers are to the platform itself. So what happened was, you know, 2011, 2012, the 2013, 2014, a lot of sellers joined and a lot of sellers started with private label and those sellers proved this model works uh, that, you know, you can go to China, um, you know, create a product, put your own brand name on it, sell it on Amazon and build, build a business and build a following. And, and um, you know, the, the more traction you got, the more reviews you built up, the more of kind of a, a moat, you know, you kind of built around that product because if today, you know, you want to get into, you know, fitness resistance bands, you have to compete with sellers that have, you know, 20,000, 30,000 reviews, not so easy. But back then that wasn't the case. So, you know, you can get into these, you can get into these niches and the sellers prove the model. What's happened since is because the sellers prove the model, um, now bigger institutional money has started to get involved since about 2018. Um, what does that mean? It means companies that are actually coming in and acquiring Amazon, uh, you know, businesses and rolling them up uh, as well as private equity, et cetera, which means um, sellers today also have to compete against, against those sellers. Uh, the, the opportunity today is there's a lot of companies buying up Amazon FBA businesses and like it opened up more exit opportunities and the multiples for the businesses have gone up. So that's been a positive. Uh, on the other hand, the sellers have gotten more sophisticated. Also, since 2014 to today, there's more data, there's more software tools, there's, there's, you know, better access to better decision making around the products that you're going to launch in the data. Again, that's good and bad. Um, because, you know, your competition is also arm, armed uh, better as well. Um, the platform itself, I would say, you know, when I when I joined in 2014, 
if you launch a private label product, advertising was was like an afterthought and was not a requirement. Um, you know, if, if you, you know, you could rank your products organically pretty easily and quickly. At the time, prior to 2016, you were allowed to, to utilize incentivized reviews. So you're allowed to, you know, literally give away, you know, a thousand units of your product um, to people for free or with like 99% coupon codes. Um, and then those people would, or 100%, and then those people would write a review and say, I received this product for free in exchange for my, you know, honest opinion. Uh, well, Amazon got rid of that um, after October 2016. It was a major change. And if you were in it beforehand, you accumulated thousands of reviews, you really benefited from that. So it was, became harder to accumulate reviews after 2016. Um, advertising became, has become more and more important and more sophisticated. So 2014, they may have been four spots on page one you know, of ads. Today, there's 10 plus spots. And not only that, today, there's other things on page one that are kind of further pushing the organic visibility. There's video ads, those take up four spots of what, a, you know, four listing spots. There's editorial recommendations uh, where, you know, Amazon has, you know, third-party publishers kind of writing, you know, best barbecue glove when, when you're searching for barbecue glove and giving you, you know, five or six recommendations for value and for durability and, and, and different, you know, kind of uh, areas. Um, and so there's just less organic spots. Advertising is kind of a must. Advertising has gotten more sophisticated. Um, and then, you know, Amazon has given third-party sellers a lot more tools as well. Um, so when I joined, um, Amazon has a, a Vine program where you can give product away to, you know, up to 30 sort of vetted, trusted uh, reviewers um, for free. And they, they'll write a review that was only available in vendor. Um, and now it's available, you know, for third-party sellers, lightning deals, coupons, like a lot of these sort of marketing levers were not available um we're not available um, for third-party sellers and, and are available um, today. Um, so today you can build Amazon storefronts. You can you could just do so much more. And Amazon seems to be sort of embracing brands um, a little bit a little bit more um, than they did. Um, so I mean the opportunity is great. You have you have a lot of marketing levers, um, but you know it's gotten more competitive. The level of seller has gotten more sophisticated. And so, you know, I would say when I started in 2015, you know, you could, you probably had a decent shot if you wanted to start a product with $5,000. Today could probably still be done, but it's much harder. I think you need somewhat more capital to really, you know, kick off a business, especially if you go into, you know, more competitive products. Now, so now that was a lot of stuff that's changed in the yeah. past seven years. But yes. if, we can, if we shrink that timeline down, even just to just the past like 15 months, right, in light of the pandemic, are they, yep. what are some of those, you know, specific, again, COVID related things that have changed that, you know, maybe you yeah. didn't even see coming up to that point? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, um, you know, when COVID first, um, when COVID first hit, um, it, it was, uh, it was very tough for a lot of sellers in the first couple of months. Um, Amazon prioritized essential products only. So, you know, if you wanted to go order, you know, um, a garlic press or some kitchen tool, 
Well, you couldn't get that product for a month because Amazon was was prioritizing only essential products because there was just a ton of demand, right, for for masks and gloves and you know all the all the PPE related slightly more important things need to happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which you know you can you can understand that, right? Like supplements, like certain products, right? Zinc, certain products are, are going to be more important for people to get. And obviously, Amazon didn't expect this. If you think about the warehouses too. Uh, Amazon had, you know, employees have to keep six foot of distance and, you know, they have to do testing and they had to shut down warehouses because of, because of, you know, uh, COVID cases, et cetera. So definitely hit Amazon. Amazon hired like a hundred thousand people or something like, you know, uh, very, very quickly um, with it. And so initially it was, it was an issue. Um, then sellers benefited a lot, especially if you were in I would say benefited and probably sold out of products. If you were in fitness, if you were in supplements, if you were like in, in, you know, if you sold puzzles, right. Like any of any, any products related, like a lot of sellers like sold out of their products, but then had massive supply chain issues because people sold out of products. They had to reorder from factories. Factories were slammed. Factories had to shut down in China. Um, so there was, there've been a tremendous amount of supply chain issues that are still ongoing. There's a, currently a worldwide shortage of uh, shipping containers. And so shipping rates, you know, um, you know, you used to pay a few thousand dollars, you know, $3,000 for a 40 foot container. Now it's like 15,000, like the, the, the rates, you know, the, there's just a, a incredible shortage of, of shipping containers around the world right now. Um, and shipping rates have never been this high. And, and then there's, there's all these, supply chain issues. The, the port in Shenzhen just got kind of shut down because of COVID cases. There's just major, major issues for, for sellers with supply and inventory. Um, that's, you know, um, definitely, um, you know, affecting margins and the price they need to charge, uh, et cetera. This past Prime Day, I believe there were less deals on the platform because, you know, if you have limited inventory, why run a deal and sell more at a lower margin, right? Um, so, um, it's definitely affected sellers. Now, at the same time, uh, COVID is sort of on a, on a big picture scale, uh, Amazon has gained, I think, 50 million new prime customers. Um, you know, COVID, uh, I believe, heavily accelerated the uh, adoption of buying online. Um, and, you know, specifically, if, if you kind of think about, um, you know, the, the, the people who are at risk most, whereas older, the older you are, right, the more at risk you are with, with COVID. So if you're a millennial, 20 year old, you know, millennial or, or you know, or whatever, um, you've probably already been using online shopping and you're not as hesitant maybe to go out, but if you're 65 or 75, uh, maybe you didn't adopt uh, shopping online um, and you're at, you're at the highest risk of going out. So now you're kind of forced to, right? Um, adopt. And also you could think about certain categories that benefited a lot where, you know, you might, you may have bought sort of regular household products on Amazon, but you weren't buying groceries uh, or, or kind of like food products, right? On Amazon, you, you were used to still going to, you know, to a regular supermarket or you weren't doing whole foods delivery or, or these kind of things. So there's been massive adoption of new categories and, and new audiences that are coming to Amazon and the pie is certainly a lot bigger. So there's wild, and what that what that's done is obviously create a lot more demand for sellers, and and it's also brought a lot of new sellers to the marketplace. Um, and data that has kind of recently um, showed up is that 
those new sellers really didn't affect the sales of existing sellers because the pie grew kind of so, so much. Um, and so there's been this incredible new opportunity to, you know, um, launch products, bring more products to the marketplace that I would say, if you launch those products in 2017 and 2018, some of those were very competitive and you maybe wouldn't have had a chance, but in the last year you did because there were so many more people, you know, shopping online. What's happening now is some of that is starting to trail off. Um, and that's another thing sellers, you know, kind of need to deal with. Um, some ordered inventory based on the fitness sales they had last year when everybody was at home and canceling their gym membership. Um, and that, you know, ordering too much of that and, you know, people sort of going back to the gym and not shopping as much for those products um, can also be tough. So there's just been so many challenges um, in the last year for sellers, but, but also opportunity in terms of so many new, uh, so many new shoppers coming to, you know, uh, online and, you know, over 50% of, you know, um, physical product searches start on, start on Amazon. So it's, you know, great opportunity. Well, yeah. well and yeah. it's interesting too, if we, if we think even just beyond, you know, like buying products online, we think about like, uh, telehealth, right. I think pre pandemic, maybe 1% or maybe less than 1% of the population had ever had a doctor's appointment online. And now right. that number is above 33%. Right. Yep. And so, I mean, in terms of the people, to your point that, you know, they didn't want to buy something online, they wanted to go to the store and feel it and experience it before they made that decision. But now, you know, with the wide adoption of technology, they're realizing that they don't necessarily need to do that. So, and you mentioned, right, not only were there more people buying online, but there was, you know, kind of this effective like gold rush to go sell on Amazon. Right. Yep. So the pie expanded, but I mean, I guess it'd probably be fair to assume that that's not going to happen forever. So do we have risk that some of these product categories on Amazon become too saturated or, I mean, are there any potential you know, risks or issues there? Yeah. I mean, I think the pie is still growing. Obviously it's going to slow down in terms of percentage growth, you know, of, of new, of new customers, but the pie is still, um, the pie is still growing and will continue to, to, to grow. You know, Amazon's expected sales year over year are, are going to continue to go up, I, I believe, because, um, you know, online is still, uh, you know, a smaller percentage of, you know, t worldwide retail sales than, you know, than, than brick and mortar is. Um, but um, yeah, certain categories are tough to get to get into in certain categories you need more money to get into um and the nice or the good thing about amazon for for those that learn and can kind of understand it there is a tremendous amount of data that's available to you to understand what's happening and, and the reason is because um jeff bezos was kind of um brilliant when he started amazon um you know started with books and books traditionally uh, would have a New York Times bestseller list, right? Uh, where they would rank bestsellers. And so Jeff Bezos did the same thing in books, but he didn't stop like at the top 100 books. He said, I'm going to rank every book hourly based on, based on sales. And I, he wanted sort of the, um, you know, Amazon kind of says it's benefit to, to buyers uh, because, you know, the buyers can see if something is popular. But at the same time, it really drove competition among authors, right? They could see exactly where they were against somebody else in terms of promoting books and, and everything else. And um, Amazon didn't stop there when they launched new, new categories. They continued to rank every product hourly based on, you know, sort of uh, unit volume velocity. What that does is 
there are software companies in the space, obviously, that are you know uh, doing a variety of of uh, things for for sellers and in, in their accounts, and because the software companies have the data and uh, of on tons of sellers' accounts, they can see what what does it mean when you have a you know uh, a, a book ranked four thousand or a health and household product ranked thirty five thousand. What does that translate into around estimates for monthly sales, and so. There's so much data on Amazon available because of this, you know, bestseller rank that you can really understand every single product pretty closely in terms of how much it's selling a month. Um, you can understand uh, the amount of search volume there is for keywords. Um, you can look at the review counts. You can also read competitors' reviews, see what people like about a product, what they don't like, how you can improve things. So a tremendous amount of data. So, you know, as far as this, you know, saturation effect. Um, if you, the better you understand the data, the you know the better decisions you can make or understand the market and see if you can come in, you know, and uh, and compete. And I think part of it really depends on um, how much you differentiate a product and how much capital you have and how much you understand, you know, the the platform. Um, because although it's a although it's a it's you know it's a it's a shopping engine, it's really an algorithm like. Google search engine, right? People are kind of typing in things and then stuff shows up. And so if you start to learn, you know, well, how do we think Amazon ranks products, right? How, what do I need to do in order to show up for these, for these keywords? Um, you know, where does Amazon pull the SEO? What's, what's important, you know? Um, so, you know, title, for example, is one of the most important areas to put in the most important keywords in like phrase match order. Um, so when you start to kind of learn um, you have a better chance to, you know, show up for keywords and, you know, understand what it takes to, um, you know, rank and kind of get in front of customers as well as using, using advertising. Um, but certainly, yeah, if you wanted to get into, you know, fish oil today, you'd need to spend, you know, six to maybe seven figures to break into that market because you have to lose money for enough time until you build up enough reviews to become relevant. Right. And, you know, obviously, I mean, I love buying things on Amazon, but we, you know, hear stories all the time of when Amazon's maybe not the best business partner to its brands and its sellers. So, you know, maybe in, in your words, what are some of the things that someone who's looking to begin engaging with Amazon or maybe already is should be looking out for, um, you know, to maybe not yeah. be taken advantage of or, or fall into any of those traps? Yeah. Um, you bring up a, a, a really good point and a, and a very valid point. Um, Amazon sellers, uh, I would say, have a love-hate relationship with the platform. Um, they have a love relationship because, you know, at the end of the day, you can make money. You have access to millions and millions of, of shoppers and traffic. You have traffic and you have a trusted channel by, by customers. And, you know, for the most part, um, maybe more today, but, you know, I, I don't think most customers, when they're, when they're buying a product and it's available in Prime, the customer doesn't think I'm buying it from, you know, XYZ store uh, that shows up as a seller name, the buyer is like, I'm shopping on Amazon, right? And they have trust and they know they can return and, you know, have no, has no hassles and things like that. So it's amazing. On the other side, um, you know, um, Amazon is a giant behemoth of a company. And, you know, I was just reading prior to getting on this, um, you know, uh, a seller support case uh, client, uh, potential client gave us access to their account. And I see the back and forth with seller support. And they're like, no, I'm asking about this. And they keep getting an answer to a totally different question. And they're like, no, 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 but I'm asking about this. Can we speak on the phone? And then they keep getting the same answer from seller support. And um, 
that's part of dealing with Amazon. You know, I don't think you're going to take get taken advantage of, but know that um, Amazon might take your product down. Um, recently, uh, Amazon is trying to police more like main images and what you can put in a main image it has to be on a white background. It can't, it's supposed to only show the product. I have a product and it has the logo on the product. Well, Amazon took it down because it said you can't have any extra images on the, on the product. I'm like, no, 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 this is the actual logo on the product. Here's a picture. Didn't work. I had to Photoshop the logo off the product in order to get it back up. Right. Like you just have to deal with nonsense because you're dealing with a behemoth and um and sometimes that's going to cause stress um and it's challenging amazon again they could take your product down for some reason they can suspend you um there's typically solutions and there's ways to overcome all of it i would say um so for somebody sort of coming in i would just say like the opportunity is great but you know like anything there's challenges involved and you know those that make it deal with the challenges and overcome them and understand like, you know, you're going to have some headaches in terms of dealing with Amazon, dealing with Amazon support. Um, it's just part of, it's just part of the game. Um, and uh, it's something you should be kind of prepared for. Um, you know, like uh, if you're a supplement seller, um, we work with a supplement client that has like 70 different products. I mean, every week they have some kind of issue on a supplement getting taken down. Amazon wants to see certificate and they, you know, uh, they, you know, just something they deal with and they've developed a system on how to deal with it. Okay. This, this happens. Here's the SOP for what to say to Amazon or what to give them and developing the processes around it and just understanding how to, how to deal with, with, uh, with Amazon. Um, and you know, the, there are also, services and experts and things like that if you get you know if i got suspended tomorrow i know who to go to who can write an appeal and knows and and you know does this every week with amazon and for sellers and yeah i might have to pay but i'm gonna get back up um so uh i think you just need to be prepared that sometimes it's like bashing your head against a brick wall like there's nobody to talk to you can't you know you're talking to overseas support. They don't always, they're contracted. They don't always have the tools or ability to help you. It's just kind of how it is. At the same time, again, I think the opportunity is greater than the, the headache. And so you just need to understand that, you know, it's not, a, it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect system, but in a sense, Amazon kind of has a monopoly. Um, meaning if you're not going to go, if you want to sell online, your options really are, Amazon or your own D2C site. You're not going to get massive sales on Walmart. Um, and you, you might you might get some sales on Walmart and you can probably get some sales on Etsy and you can, you know, depending on your products and other marketplaces, but your potential to drive volume is nowhere near anywhere else but Amazon. Um, whether, you know, that whether that's that's good or bad, right? I mean, if they if they had a if they had a great competitor, um, you know, maybe they would change some of their policies around around you know, dealing with sellers. Um, I, I would say they have gotten somewhat better um, in the last few years. They used to kind of suspend you on the spot. Now they give you like a three-day warning to write an appeal before they suspend you on, on some issues. And the truth also, sometimes sellers get suspended and they should get suspended for manipulating reviews or, you know, like just not adhering to, to, the, to the policies too. Um, you know, um, but you, you just need to be prepared to deal with the to deal with the the challenges. The, the opportunity is is worth it.
you're, you're playing in their sandbox, but like you mentioned earlier, you get 60% of the shopper search volume because that's where they're yeah. starting is the Amazon search bar. And then I was reading recently about the, the halo effect of ad spend on Amazon, right? You know, it's, I don't know the exact number, but like a dollar of spend on Amazon equates to an increase in either sales or exposure on other channels that you sell on, right? Your own DTC site, other marketplaces. Um, so to your point, you deal with the nonsense, but the, the reward is there or can be there. Now, yep. I know this is probably a difficult question to answer because there's a lot of nuance in it. But so when you see or you work with a brand that's just beginning to work with Amazon, right? We, we think about, you know, fail fast, fail forward. Um, you know, if you're going to do something and you fail at it, it's okay, but you want to move on quickly and learn from it. How long does it take for a brand to realize that, you know, maybe our Amazon strategy is not working and they can pivot? How long does it take for a brand to fail on Amazon if they're going to? You know, I think the, I think the, I mean, it's quick, it's fast, but I think the problem is sometimes brands don't know why they're failing or what the reason is that they're failing on Amazon. Um, you know, I see, you know, brands all the time, actually some that are doing very, very well in D2C and not doing as well on Amazon um, or that are more focused on D2C and yeah, just not doing as well on Amazon. Then I look at the listings and right away I can tell you, um, the images you have on Shopify should not be the images you have on Amazon because Shopify people spend time on your site. You're the only brand there. There aren't tons of other products around you, price, all, all these things. But Amazon, your images need to have infographics because people don't read the text. And, you know, you, you just need to have a different strategy. And so, you know, when you launch a product within a couple of months, you know, does this have legs and traction? Now, if you launch it the right way and it doesn't work, then you know, okay, within a month or two, like my experience has been, if I launch a product and it's an uphill battle from the beginning, then it's probably not gonna work. It's probably not the right product or there, there's something off. And if I launch a product and even without reviews, maybe I, I give it a kind of more competitive price because I don't have that, but even without reviews, I'm starting to see some, some sales, um, then I know like I have something. Um, but I think a lot of times brands you know, they, they put up products, but they don't know why it's not selling. They drive ads to it. They're not getting conversions. Um, and generally you either have, you know, sort of one of two main issues a sessions or conversions uh, problem, right? Like traffic or conversion, you're driving traffic to it, but the traffic is not converting. So then it's, you know, then it's something with the listing, the product, the price, the reviews, right? All, all those aspects, you're, you're creative or, um, you're getting some sales, but when you look at your sessions and traffic, you're just not driving enough traffic. You're not getting enough visibility. And that's a combination of, you know, sort of organic visibility and, um, you know, keyword SEO strategy, as well as, you know, advertising strategy. I would say that um, the launch period on, on the launch period is the most important period. Um, and um, you shouldn't just put a product on Amazon if you're not prepared or understand the launch process because in the in the first month, the algorithm rewards uh, you much more greatly if you're getting sales velocity and you're getting search results. Um, so the Amazon algorithm has a couple of things built into it. One is a time factor. So if you put a product up today, you're or you, let's say you have 20 products on your Shopify store and you put those 20 products up on Amazon, you start working like one by one, and by the time you get to number 20, it's three months in. Well, now it has three months of sort of negative sales history. And if you want to, you know, get organic ranking, 
you know, tremendous sales over a 10 day period are not going to be enough. However, on a new product, there is no negative sales history. And so the Amazon algorithm only sees success from the beginning. And so um, there isn't that time factor. Um, and also, I, I believe Amazon wants new products to be discovered um, a little bit more um, for a number of reasons. One, you know, if a seller has some success early on there, you know, or a product that's, uh, they, they, they may stay, stick around. Um, it's a threat to existing products. Amazon doesn't want any particular brand to be more important than the platform, right? So, you know, if, um, you know, if I suddenly start to rank new products, which again, oftentimes if you don't have reviews and somebody else next to you has 5,000, you're probably gonna have to beat them on price for some time in order to win. That's good for the consumer too, right? So there's lots of reasons why Amazon would wanna show, you know, show new products. Um, and so that launch period of really driving sales velocity is very, very important. And so my advice would be sort of, if you have your own brand, go kind of deep and focused more than just putting your entire catalog on, on Amazon at once, because you need to give each product, you know, the right creative, the right listing SEO work done, as well as advertising budgets um, and, you know, really driving sales on that, on that one product. If you could do it at scale on 20, then, then you should. But um, if you can't, you should be more focused as far as like your kind of rollout launch strategy. So we just, I mean, we obviously just talked about kind of what all encompasses the rollout strategy, but so what are some of the key pieces of information that a brand needs to have to create, to, to craft a realistic ad budget for Amazon? Um, well, the, the first thing, well, I would say, you know, you need to think about a few things. Um, one, well, one, I would say you need to have a great keyword research, right? You need to understand the keywords. You need to understand the search volume and kind of like, what is the potential uh, amount of impressions or search volume that, that I can have? You generally want to have, you know, keywords related to your product that, you know, have search volume of 10,000 you know, at least some keywords, 10,000 plus searches a, a month, et cetera. There's obviously gonna be a lot of long tail keywords that, that have less than that. Um, as far as an ad budget, I would say reverse engineer your ad budget. Think about number one, what is my ROAS going to be in the first month um, on a product and how much sales do I wanna drive? Um, so assuming you have unlimited traffic, right? That you can drive, assuming there, assuming there's more traffic available than the money than the money you have to, to spend, then, you know, think about, uh, okay, my goal for the first month is to drive $10,000 in sales. And I'm expecting that I'm probably going to have a ROAS of one in my first month, which is generally not great. Um, but maybe due to lack of reviews, uh, et cetera, that's going to be my ROAS. So if I want to drive 10,000 in sales, um, and maybe in my first month, 70% of that is going to come from paid because I'm just kind of getting going organically then I might need to spend $7,000 on ads in order to get to this target. Um, so I think you gotta, you know, I think you kind of want to take some assumptions in, into play. Um, and then really the first, you know, 10, 14 days of data within ads is going to give you better indication of how well you're converting, what are your conversion rates, what is cost per click. Um, generally, you know, I would say you want to have uh, at minimum a conversion rate of 10%, but I would say more so um, 15% plus, um, unless you have, you know, higher price products, hundred dollars plus, then they may have slightly lower, you know, lower conversion rates, but you want to, um, you want to kind of look at your listing and adjust your 
pricing strategy to try to drive towards that conversion rate. And I would think less about profitability in your first few months on a product. And I would think more about how do I get to X sales velocity so I can get X reviews, um, you know, in the, in the fastest amount of time, depending on your niche, do you need hundred reviews to be relevant? Do you need 500 reviews to be relevant? Do you need a thousand reviews to be relevant? And then thinking about maybe a potential, you know, 5% review rate, you know, how many sales do I need to drive in order to get, you know, in order to get to, you know, hundred reviews, for, for example, and that should be your, your kind of your, your core focus. Um, again, if it's an uphill battle, if you're not converting early on, then you have a, then it's not a traffic problem per se, then, then it's, some, it's something else that's an issue. And again, I would say you can't be as um, concerned about margin, you know, early, early on, you really need to, you need to give people a reason to buy a product. You know, if, if you go into, if you shop on Amazon, I would, I would say, go check in your order history, the last 10 products you bought and how many reviews they had, you know, did you buy any products that had one review or two reviews? Well, that's how the consumer is shopping. And so you really need to give people a reason to buy your product. If you, you know, are starting out early, um, you know, without, uh, without reviews. Um, there are also strategies to, you know, to drive, to drive reviews or to drive a higher review rate. Um, but you want to be careful uh, as well as, as to not get suspended, you know, within, within Amazon's uh, terms. Don't want to so, get, you don't want to get your wrist slapped. Like we talked about. Yeah. And, and with reviews, you know, it's somewhat more serious, you know, like you'll, you'll get suspended and if it happens again, you may not ever get back uh, when it comes to reviews because Amazon takes that, you know, very seriously. Um, so yeah, you, you want to understand, you know, what are the things you can do? And, and some of the things you can do are, um, there's a button for every order that you can request review from a customer. You can also automate that with software. Um, you can use inserts in your product packaging that give a lifetime warranty on the product or some incentive. People go to a landing page or, or a ManyChat sequence and, register, you get their email, you can then ask them for a review, right? There, there's strategies to, to drive higher review rates. Um, we have we have a client that sells, that's in the coffee space and they have an insert that gives everybody an espresso cup and spoon um, and some new flavors of the coffee um, that the person didn't, didn't buy um, to every single person that through an insert and it costs them, you know, a good amount of money. I saw their, I saw their P&L, it's like a real hard cost, but uh, I think in the last year, they've gotten like 15,000 emails and, you know, now they have a big list to market to, to launch new products to, to ask for reviews, right? It's very, very valuable because Amazon doesn't give you any of that, you know, information. You don't get the customer email. You can't just send promotional emails to people through the Amazon messaging system. Like it's not, it's not allowed. Um, so again, utilizing a more advanced strategies and understanding this you know, can help you, like you said, also build your D2C site off, off the back of the Amazon audience. Um, you know, you might send, you might send that list, you know, 30% off to buy in our Shopify site. Right. And now trying to move, move that customer over if you want, you know, to, to your Shopify site, if you think that's going to work, you can also send them back to Amazon. I think the biggest thing is having a direct relationship, you know, with the customer, if you can. Yeah. So lots of ways to, you know, so, sort of leverage Amazon as well to kind of build your own assets if you're smart about the, the way you go about it. Again, obviously they have, they have costs in, you know, in doing this, they, uh, it's, it's a client of mine. So they, they had me go through their funnel. And so I went through it 
they ship me the item is, you know, I, it must cost them like 10 bucks between the product and the shipping, you know, for every customer that they do this for, but they're getting a valuable, you know, asset in return, especially on a consumable product, right? Coffee. So they can continue to market to you. Um, and it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And we talked before about, you know, how you, the reviews that you have on Amazon are your moat. And so when we look at an Amazon page, there's so many listings that are crammed together, right? I mean, your competitor is centimeters away from you, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, right? One of Steve Jobs, uh, I guess, I don't know, business priorities was always, we compete against ourselves, right? We don't, aren't, we aren't going to always focus on what our competition is doing. But we talked a little bit about how if your competitor has more reviews, you may want to beat them on pricing. And I'm sure there are other instances how much should you be focusing on what your competitors are, are doing on Amazon? You know, I guess, you know, what are your thoughts? What do you advise your clients in that regard? Yeah, I mean, I would say uh, I would tend to, to agree with really focusing on um, focusing on your own products and continuing to try to, you know, innovate or get better. Um, so we have a client right now. He's in the jewelry space. Um, and he's going through a major overhaul right now, just like making his packaging just so much nicer, right? And he's kind of evaluated his own and other players in the market, and he's going to just offer something so much nicer, and he's going to put it in his images, and he's continuing to, to innovate. So, I mean, I think you do, on Amazon, I think you do need to understand what's happening with competitors, because yes, if you're, if you're, if, you know, you're number one and two with another competitor, um, and you have about the same price, and they go drop their price by you know, two, three bucks, you're going to see the effect of that um, in your sales. And so whether or not you decide to follow is a, is a different, you know, is kind of a different, you know, different uh, business decision, but you do need to kind of see what, what competitors are doing. Also, there's a lot of competitor intelligence data that you can pull, right? What keywords, do, you know, there's, there's tools that allow you to reverse engineer putting in a competitor ASIN, which is kind of like the, you know, Amazon identifier for every, for every product, which is public on the, on the page, put that into a tool and it'll immediately show you all the keywords that they're ranking for on Amazon, the search volume of those keywords and their organic rank position, right? So this is a lot of how we do keyword research when we're launching a new product uh, or, or, you know, in general doing keyword research and understanding the market is reverse engineering, you know, the top 10 best sellers for a particular product and understanding everything they rank for their pricing, um, so it's important to do this, especially before launching a product, right? Imagine, you know, imagine you come into the marketplace and you didn't do any of this research and you come in and launch a product at $60 only to find out everybody is at 30, right? So, you know, I think, I think given that it's a marketplace, you do need to watch, but, you know, I think what Steve Jobs was saying is that you really need to innovate and focus on your customer. Um, I think some of the problem of the Amazon or not problem, but you know, Amazon marketplace just has a lot of sort of me too type products, right? There's a lot of people just selling the same thing uh, from potentially the same factories or, or similar qualities. In those cases, when you have not innovated, you have to watch your competitors a lot more because like you're kind of selling the, you know, the same thing. But if you, yeah, if you innovated and have some unique IP or unique offering and the more value you offer the customer, the less you need to worry about what your, you know, competitors, uh, competitors are doing. Also, the more, you know, like an, like an Apple, the more you build your branding um, off Amazon, the more you don't have to worry about price on Amazon, right? So, you know, 
people are coming to Amazon searching for your brand name. They're coming to buy your product. If you're a couple bucks more than somebody else, they've, they've already, they already want your product. They saw somebody recommended on social media, an influencer or right. Or, you know, they saw an ad for it or they had somebody recommended, like the more your brand is known, you know, you, you can go and see, you know, vitamin C serum and sellers competing on it between, you know, 10 and 25 bucks. And then L'Oreal might be at 70, right. But they can, they can sell it because they're a brand. They built that branding. Um, so the more you could do that too, the, yes, the less you have to worry, you know, about your competitors. And obviously Apple, you know, has done an incredible job at like branding and the message and like, you know, it, you feel much cooler sitting at Starbucks with your Mac than, you know, with your Dell. Right. Um, and, and, you know, that's just how it is. Right. They built this culture. Um, and yeah, the more you could do that, the less you have to worry about your competitors. No. And that, that's fair enough. Right. Develop the brand that people can latch onto, and then yeah. you're safe from a lot of the other the other competition. So, you know, Lauren, this has been a fantastic conversation. You know, where can our listeners get in touch with you to you know, learn a little bit more about how they can sell profitably on Amazon? Sure. Um, so um, our website is incrementumdigital.com. Um, I'll also give my email, uh, Liran, L-I-R-A-N, at Incrementum Digital. Um, I also have a podcast called E-Commerce Mindset um, and a Facebook group called E-Commerce Mindset you can find and uh, request to join. Um, and I put out content across like LinkedIn and, and Facebook. Um, uh, basically, you know, Amazon, there's literally new things. I mean, yesterday, like new things happening every day, actually yesterday, they, they, they came out and said, we heard your feedback and we're allowing you to, uh, Amazon took, took away the ability for brands to sort of respond to customer reviews. Um, and because I don't know, they probably just saw too much like, Hey, email us and like tr trying to manipulate the reviews, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll refund you, like change your review. And Amazon doesn't want that, but um, they just put out yesterday that now within your seller central account, you can go in and see the critical reviews and you can actually comment on them and respond. Like there's actually email templates that they now allow you to send a message to that customer. And that's changed yesterday. It's great. It's great for sellers. A lot, a lot of buyers have opted out of that, but um, again, it's something new and like Amazon is evolving like every month there's new things. And so staying up to date with, you know, some of the podcasts and some of the content in the space um, is very helpful for me too, right? Like seeing what other people are kind of sharing and seeing out there is, is, is very, very helpful. Um, so there's lots of, um, lots of great content people put out on, you know, YouTube and, you know, across, uh, across the web related to, uh, to Amazon. It's a full-time job staying on top of everything that changes, right? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> well, hey, I'd love to, I'd love to have you on for a future episode. We can talk, maybe there's, you know, some of the, some of the big new things coming on the horizon we can dive in a little bit deeper into. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much awesome. for having me on. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate the time. Have a great rest of your day. That's it for this episode of e-commerce with coffee powered by Amber engine. If you haven't gotten your fix yet, be sure to get more e-commerce brand secrets on our website at amberengine.com. And don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.